you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, what is considered another one of the songs of Christmas. We'll begin with the 25th verse. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, we ask now that you would open up your word to us. That you would teach us. That you would cause us to hear not words, but your word from you. And we know that won't happen unless you see fit to reveal them, to illumine our hearts. And so we ask for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now I want you to notice the title of this message. I don't usually point out the the titles, uh, but I'm calling it uh, Simeon's Even Song. The first place I was uh, exposed to uh, an even song worship service was uh, in one of our trips to England. We were in London and decided to go to Westminster Abbey. They have four services there. They have one at uh, 7.30 in the morning, 8 a.m., 12.30, and then 5 p.m., and 5 p.m., and certainly 5 p.m. the time of year we were there, which was in January, is Evensong. It had been dark a long time uh, at that point. And it's considered, and by the way, they have had worship services and those services in that place for a thousand years. That's one reason we, we wanted to attend. But it is, it's the last service of the day. The closer. The end of the day ending in worship. 
as it were. When I read Simeon's song, and by the way, it's usually called the Nunc Dimittis, uh, and we'll talk about that later, why it's called that. Uh, but it reminded me of the last song, not in a day, but in a life. In my work, I have been around over the last three decades a lot of people in the last weeks of their life and some in the last moments of their life. And I've seen various kinds of reactions to that. There are those who are people of faith that have a peace about them. Not that they're looking forward to that moment or that they're enjoying what they're going through. I would never minimize the difficulty of that. Some people's death is much harder than others. But I'm talking about emotionally, internally. There are those that that handle it in that way. And then there are those that scratch and fight for more, more time. I don't care how. I don't care how much. I don't care what it's like. I want more time here on this earth. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of times, even we as Christians, we as people of faith, will commend those people to say, they're really a fighter. Now, I'm not rebuking you if you've been in that position or you've said that about somebody. But I I want you to think about what that can imply. That person's really a fighter. And the question is, Why do some fight so hard just for a few more moments here? And certainly that question has to be asked when they're people of faith. In other words, if they really believe what we say the Bible says, if they really believe about what's on the other side, why? Why work so hard to not go there and to stay here (coughs) with all of the difficulties? And so, I'd ask you, which do you want to be? What kind of person at the end of your life, we don't always get to choose. We aren't always in control of all things that that point, in fact, we're not. What's the alternative? Well, there are some that <clears throat> have just kind of a fatalistic end of life view, and they, you know, like Islam, where they would say, well, Allah's in control, I can't do anything about it, so I just accept it. That's not what we're talking about. There's another way. And I want you to see we have before us one who saw another way. And I want you to ask yourself, what was the key? What was it that gave him this other way to look at his own death? This is 
Simeon. If you look at his story, uh, Jesus had already been circumcised, named Jesus, which means <coughs> Savior. And by the way, that didn't necessarily set him apart. There was a lot of little baby boy Jesuses running around at that time. It was a, it was a popular name. They were looking for a Messiah. In fact, uh, amazingly, uh, uh, Barabbas, who uh, Jesus took his place, if you remember at the end of his life, his, his name was Jesus Barabbas. So it was not an un, uncommon uh, name. That was not what set him apart. So now, because Joseph and Mary wanted to do spiritually what was best for their baby, they brought him for another ceremony. I just read to you in verses uh, 22 through uh, 24 about that. Now, that uh, purification, it took place 40 days after the birth uh, for the mother of a firstborn boy. Now, notice what they gave by way of sacrifice. A pair of turtle doves or pigeons. Now, the the reason that's significant is because it it tells you how poor Joseph and Mary were at that point. See, what was required at that point was a lamb. But for those who couldn't afford that, Provision was made, a gracious provision, and they said, okay, well, you, you can bring a couple of turtle doves or pigeons instead of the lamb. So here is Jesus, one more indication of his humiliation in uh, coming to live on this earth. He did not choose to live in the palace, which he could have as the king, as the prince, but instead he came to a needy family. Verse 25, then it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Now you just don't see that said about many in Scripture. I don't know others that those phrases are used about. There was something unique about him. And I was thinking back over my life. I've been around um, a a few people think about it. I'm saying other than you all, of course, that could be described that way. But in, in the earlier part of my life, before I came here, and you have too. You've been around ones that probably you can think in your mind, yeah, I'd describe them that way. And there's just something unique about them. There's something different about them. You say, that person walks with God in a way that, I don't know that I do, but, but I would like to. And that's the kind of person we have here with Simeon. It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, that was the name that uh, the Jews had for the coming Messiah. Uh, And and there was always this longing expectancy for this Messiah. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
That's the Lord's anointed one. He was so in touch with God's Holy Spirit that he was directed to go to the temple and he knew that he would see the Lord's Christ. Um, our, our daughter and son-in-law who are in Turkey, they just talked about a, a situation where they had. They're, they're in a, a small town where they're the only ones, uh, non-Turkish people. And my daughter was walking down the street with our grandson, and a woman came running towards her and was saying something to her. And she didn't quite know what was, what was going on. Well, the woman, and she had a little child as well, the woman got up to her, and she just wanted to see the baby. She wanted to see a little uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. She'd never seen anything like that. Now, I was thinking about that this week when using our sanctified imagination, that might have been a little bit of the way Zechariah was when he would see a woman with a, a new baby. He would go to see, and I'm sure he was much more polite, may I see the child? And they would uncover the child because they really wrap them up over there. That's one thing I've learned. And he would look and I'm sure say something appropriate. Now that's a baby or something like that. But up until this time, he had not seen what he was looking for. But then he did. Verse 27. He came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now understand. Understand theologically Simeon was not saved by the birth of Jesus. And we are not saved by the birth of Jesus by itself. It took that birth of the perfect God-man who then lived the perfect life, who then went to the cross in obedience to the Father and sacrificed Himself, not for Himself, because He didn't need to because He was perfect, but for His people of all time. And then He had to be buried and then resurrected and ascended. That's what saves us and that's what saved Simeon. But Simeon understood that this baby that he saw was not a part of salvation. He is salvation itself. That's what this child is. And that's why he was overwhelmed. Now, a couple of things. 
about this. I, I mentioned uh, that, that uh, phrase, nunc dimittis, uh, now you are dismissing is what that means, or now lettest thou depart. That's why we're calling it the even song. It's because he's saying, okay, now you told me I wouldn't die until I saw this child. Now I can go in peace. Now I'm being dismissed. We need to understand this, though. Many commentators assume that Simeon was an old man. Probably most of us assume that. And if you ever see pictures drawn of Simeon, the assumption is that he was an old man just about ready to die. We don't know that. It's an assumption. We know that a woman who was there nearby was elderly. But I think we've made that jump. And that's not necessarily the case. It may be. He might have been old. All we know is that when he saw Jesus with the eyes of faith, he was now prepared for his death. Whether it took place right away or at some point, in the future. This was not some kind of a bucket list thing. I've got to, I've got to see him. And then, then I'm, I've completed my bucket list. But instead, think of the broader application for all of us. Anyone who has seen Jesus with the eyes of faith is ready to face their own death And any who have not seen Jesus with the eyes of faith is not ready. And if you find yourself in that position, you're not ready to die. And you better scratch for more life until you get that squared away. You should not have a peace about your own death if you've not met Jesus with the eyes of faith. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, with each prophecy about Jesus, last week, this week, and in in the next couple of weeks, we find out a little bit more about his uh, ministry, his purpose, his mission here on this earth. And I don't want you to miss this. It's, it's almost a side road, but it's not because it's at the core of why Jesus came. Here at the beginning of his life, we see what he declares at the end of his life with the Great Commission. With the Great Commission, he says, go to all the world and make disciples. He's saying every corner of this earth where there is darkness... That's where you need to go. That's at the end of his life. Well, here, here's the first glimpse, really, of that. Because up to this point, for the Jews, they would have said, this is just for us. We're his people. It's all about us. 
But what we see in this prophecy is, he says, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. It's a call to mission right here in why Jesus came. Simeon is saying, look, here is salvation. See him and be saved from the darkness that your sin has brought upon you. Now, we get to uh, just, if you put yourself in this position, a poignant part of what's going on here. Look at verse 33. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Of course they did. These are marvelous words. Amazing words about their child. But then the hammer drops. Verse 34, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This was really the first New Testament passage about the coming suffering of Jesus. We saw it in the Old Testament, dotted here and there, Psalm 22, Psalm 53, the suffering servant. We see him off and on, but here he gets very specific. And he talks about the fall and the rising of many in Israel. His gospel would be for for all people, but not all people would be saved. Some would rise. And that word that's used there for rise is used elsewhere in the New Testament for the resurrection. His people, those who trust in Him alone, would rise, but some would fall. One or the other. There is no in-between. And it's about how they look on this one, this Jesus. That's why Simeon was ready for his own death. That's why he had peace. But that leads us to the final question. Are are you going to be one who rises or falls? Because you will do one or the other. He brings us to that point. This baby Jesus grew to be the man, the Savior, and that's where the call comes. The cost was great. It was the cross. We see an incredible picture back in the book of Hebrews. A a scene where Jesus is, as it were, getting ready to come to earth. 
And we see what the cost was for the Father. In Hebrews 10, verse 5, it says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, this would be to the Father, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. The Father and Son standing, at, as, it, as it were, at the threshold of heaven and the Father bidding farewell to the Son at great cost. Harry Ironside uh, told a story of a young man who was a soldier in the Russian army during the reign of Tsar Nicholas I. Uh, this young man didn't have any particular qualifications in and of himself, but his father knew the czar, and that got him a good position. He handled money for the troops. It was not a good place for this young man to be. Quickly, he was tempted and made his own use of uh, the money. He began to gamble and enjoy the money in that way. And then he heard that a representative of the czar was going to come and to check the accounts. Struck fear in his heart. And he began to add up the tallies of that which he owed. And he quickly realized not only could he not pay it back, his father couldn't. There was no hope to pay back this. He was ruined. He would be at least imprisoned. His father and his family would be disgraced. And so he made a plan. He decided to end his life and misery. To explain it, uh, he was going to do that at midnight. To explain it, he wrote at the bottom of the ledger after he had totaled up the great uh, deficit. He wrote this, such a great debt, who can pay? He sat there and thought about it waiting for the stroke of midnight, eventually grew sleepy, put his head down. In the meantime, the czar, who often would walk through the encampment at night, saw a a lamp on, and so he walked in there. He saw this worker with his head down, and he walked over, and he looked down, and he saw exactly what had taken place, He was about to wake him up and to arrest him. And then he saw what was written. A great debt. Who can pay? With a surge of mercy, he took the pen and he wrote one word and then he walked out. The young man woke up a, a few minutes later from his fitful sleep 
And it was time for him to take his revolver to himself. And he glanced down and he saw what he had written and he saw something written underneath. Such a great debt. Who can pay? And the one word was Nicholas. He looked at the signature. He recognized it from his ledgers and knew it truly had been signed by the czar. The next morning, a messenger brought the money to be paid because he was able. Each of us on our life, because of our sin, have written on us such a great, great debt. Who can pay? And there is only one. Jesus Christ, trusting in him for our eternal life, will make all the difference in the world, in this world, and our entrance into the next. Let's bow together. Lord, will you, will you give us the eyes of faith, enlightened by your Holy Spirit like Simeon's were, to see the Savior and to trust him and for that to make a difference how we look at our own life and our own death and to know that in him is our salvation, in him is our great hope, in him is our consolation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.